Oh, yo, hey guys, what's poppin'? Jacques Slade here, and you are listening to Outside the Box Podcast. It is literally the best podcast ever created. Like, if there was a list of podcasts like uh, uh, that someone had to put in stone, Outside the Box would be... It probably wouldn't be on that list yet. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, we're trying. We're working on it here. We got it, you know... You know, speak it into existence, people. We're trying to we're trying to speak it into existence. Welcome back to the show. I am Jacques Slade. You can find me all over the internet at Cousteau. This is outside the box. This is episode number five, five, six, five, five, six. Yeah, six. Episode number six. Obviously, I'm paying a lot of attention here, um, but obviously, I don't know what I'm doing, and that's why I have the other two people on this podcast because they run a tight ship if it was up to me this ship would have sunk a long long time ago so uh to get this show started i want to introduce you to my good friend nick ingvall tell them about you where they can find you and uh, how much better you are than me at this whole thing (laughs) i don't know about that but you can find me at nick ingvall on all platforms um basically just been in the sneaker world for the last 10 or 12 years doing a bunch of different things but um, I'm really just kind of like the third leg here, so uh, third wheel here, I mean, and the real star of the show is Tiffany. Let them know how they can find you. Uh, Tell them about yourself. I'm Tiffany Beers. Every single time they do this to me. Um, <laughs> I was at Nike for 13 years. Um, I've always been in product innovation, and um, I will keep this podcast going. I used to be a crew chief for an amateur race team, so I think I can, I think I can hold it together with these two. I don't. I just don't. Wow. I just don't. There's. You know, have you guys? Have you guys seen Shrek? And when when the donkey is just like there's layers, like it's like an onion where there's just layers. I feel like that's what's happening with Tiffany. Every time we do a show, I find out more and more information. First it was this. Oh, I work at Nike. Then as I create the Nike mag, then I'm in innovation. Oh, then I worked at Rubbermaid and I innovated there. And now we find out that she was a crew chief for a racing team. Um, there, this this show is is really going to just turn into like the Tiffany bio. This is the autobiography <laughs> of Tiffany Beers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we're just this is just a front to find out more information about Tiffany, and we'll find out more and more <laughs> as the show goes on. Uh, but it's fascinating to me. I love it. I love it. You can you can tell where her insights and the way she thinks about things. You can see where it all comes from, and I think that's super super dope. Anyway, uh, so. Good to talk to you too, uh, as always. But let's jump right into the show and some news that broke maybe about a little, maybe about a week ago. Um, it's not something that you typically hear. It happens every once in a while. Uh, but Roger Federer decided to leave Nike. Nike? How about Nike? And go to was it Uniqlo? Is the company? Yeah. That he's yeah. that he's working with. Now, we've seen some shifting in the sneaker world. Um, like basketball guys, they'll leave Nike and maybe they go overseas. Dwayne Wade left Jordan and went to um to, to uh you goodness gracious Anta, not Anta. Uh Leaning. Leaning, sorry. Dwayne Wade left Jordan and went to Leaning. Uh Steph Curry left Nike and went to Under Armour, but that's that's that Steph story is a, another story entirely and a story for a different podcast. Um, but having one of their huge, huge athletes leave, um, he would he would he would be what Roger Federer would be what I consider to be a, a tent pole athlete. Um, there are very few of those guys. Like there's a lot of guys that sign to these companies, but there's a few that I feel like embody the brand and really represent the brand in a way that's bigger than just saying, oh, they have a shoe deal. And he was one of those guys. Uh, so, Nick, I'm going to tap you for this one to kind of kick this off and just kind of give us your thoughts on what, like, what was what was Roger thinking or what was Nike thinking to let him go? Uh, man, I, I mean, I think that that Nike letting him go um, from the sounds of it is just like a, a money thing, right? Like. Um, the contract that he got, I think, was like 10 years, $30 million. And for somebody who's really probably not going to play competitive tennis much more than, you know, maybe three or four, five, five years tops if he's really, really pushing himself. Um, I think that's kind of hard. I can see where Nike's like, you know, maybe hesitant to spend that kind of money because it's just a big investment um, for Federer. I think like the, the appeal of something like Uniqlo 
or um, has is just like the mass appeal of it, right? Like it's it's just like you said with with Dwayne Wade and Li Ning. Like the opportunity there is to, you know, you know, like the population of China is is ridiculously larger than here in the states, and tennis is probably even a more popular sport there than it is here in the states. So the opportunity for him thinking long term is like. You know, if if this brand is going to be, if I'm going to transition my kind of my athletic, you know, brand that exists now into more lifestyle oriented, as I you know move away from the sport, or at least move move away from competing and maybe into coaching or something like that, then you know clearly that's a pretty good opportunity, and they're paying a ton of money. So I don't know. I I think one thing that I find interesting about it is like like you said, the tentpole athlete is is spot on. I think that. You know, Roger Federer is one of those athletes that I would see as, you know, like having their own building on campus, you know, in Beaverton, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they're very limited number of athletes that can kind of carry a whole sport. And to me personally, it seems like he's one of those people that would do it. So it seems kind of like who's going to fill that void for Nike now? I don't know. Right. So I, I guess before we get, I, guess, I don't want to make it seem like he's completely left Nike. The, he, he still wears Nikes on the court. Um, but he, well, I'm sorry, when I say Nikes on the court, I mean as far as shoes. He wears Nike, he still wears Nike tennis shoes. Uniqlo does not create tennis shoes. So it's more of, I guess in this situation, it's more of like an apparel deal or a clothing deal. Um, Tiffany, I'm um, not sure, if, and I know this is not necessarily your area of expertise when you were at Nike, but do you know how these deals work when it's footwear versus apparel? Um, not really. I just do know that the two are separated, like your footwear deal and your apparel deal can be with two different. It's very common, actually, for them to be with two different brands. Um, so, no, I don't really know how that works. <laughs> oh, okay. So this kind of reminds me of, of, of not, I was going to say soccer, but not soccer, of golf. Uh, you'll see golf guys where they'll wear a certain shoe and then they'll wear certain clothes and they'll wear a certain hat um, all based on the sort of deal that they have. Um, so maybe this is closer to something like that where it's just the fact that he is, his apparel, uh, he wasn't either happy with his apparel at Nike or he couldn't get the sort of deal that he wanted at Nike. And so he decided that Uniqlo would be the best um, avenue for him and I, and I really agree with you Nick as as an athlete as you grow older performance is not necessarily going to be your key uh, your key selling point anymore it's really going to be more sold on your personality and your legacy and that lends more I think to a lifestyle slant and with the focus of Nike obviously a lot of it being focused on the performance side especially when it comes to tennis apparel Um, I can see that the move to Uniqlo being more um, advantageous for him because it presents him in a more lifestyle slant and be able to position himself in a way where he doesn't have to worry about how he's performing. He can live on more of his legacy than anything else. Um, But yeah. And like the one like outlier possibility and Tiffany might be able to disprove the theory even being possible. But like I, I, when I first read this, I was thinking like, maybe it's, maybe it's possible that like, Uniqlo has uh, a desire to move towards like you know more I guess footwear or you know because they they have basically like sandals and like super basic kind of you know footwear in their stores and online occasionally but it's never anything that you would think of being associated with sport but maybe that's an opportunity for them to build a you know team around this and bring in people that are actually going to bring in the technology to do that i don't know but i feel like that would take a long time to get to that point anyway right yeah and as an athlete like as a top level athlete like that that's in the senior part of their career footwear wise i mean it would be ballsy to go with a brand that's brand new at making shoes i mean that would be i think that would be a massive challenge unless unless they've already told you they brought in some industry experts and they've already seen prototypes or something like that but he's clearly not you know, he's still definitely with Nike on the footwear side. I I could see them say, staying separate for the rest of his career. I think the interesting thing with the apparel sponsorship right now is they allow badging on this shirt. So Nike could buy a spot on his shirt, which is interesting because 
the consumers might not realize, I mean, they probably wouldn't let Nike, but in theory they could, the consumer wouldn't realize it's different. There would just be two logos on his apparel. So I think that's where you get into like, this could be interesting. And I don't think you see it in tennis a lot, like maybe a little sleeve logo and then a, a chess logo, um, but it's not like racing where you have massive logos and right, all yeah, the area yeah. sold. Yeah. Although that would be right. fun in tennis, right? <laughs> that would be very interesting. Um, speaking of logos, um, part of a conversation has come up about the RF logo. And this is something that I think a lot of um, people don't realize is that a lot of the logos that you see for these athletes, they're not actually owned by the athletes. They're actually owned by the company. Um, their sponsor in a lot of situations. And, and I know that's that's pretty heavily with Nike. And there's been few athletes that have been able to kind of come in with their own logo, Shaq being like one of the big exceptions uh, to this rule. Uh, Tiffany, I don't, and I don't know if this is something you can speak to, do, but do you know how that process works of coming up with a logo for an athlete? Um, I don't specifically, but having worked on projects close to it, I mean, it's like sometimes they have a logo, sometimes they don't, but usually the brand will come up with their own logo, right? That represents the brand and the person. Uh, so like Nike and Roger. So it will be interesting to see how they tease these two apart. Like if we look at Jordan, is Michael able to use his Jumpman logo everywhere? Like I think it's on his steakhouse. Like, and, and that's a little different. He's got his entire own brand that's associated with Nike where this is, this is quite different, but right. um, that will be, that will be interesting. I'll be interested to see if Roger gets that logo. Yeah. He see that uh, I read that he wants to get his logo. Um, and he actually says that the logo and I'm quoting here, the RF logo is with Nike at the moment, but it will come to me at some point. I hope rather sooner than later that Nike can be nice and helpful in the process to bring it over to me. Um, yeah. And that, this, the, int- the, interesting, yeah, the interesting thing about this, though, is that the logo are actually his initials of his name. It's not like an icon or something like that. So yeah. that makes it a little more, makes it, a, I guess, a bit of a more interesting conversation with him. Um, especially if that is if using his name is going to be how he brands himself. Um, so maybe I, I should start just using a JS logo before Nike signs <laughs> me to my deal. Well, technically, um, it's not his letters, though, right? It is a lo- it is an icon. It your eye puts the full letter together, but technically, it isn't the RF. If it's the logo that's on his, that was his most recent logo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. But but also to that to that point, right? Like the the logo being you know primarily designed after his initials, it wouldn't be near as difficult to say you know cool. I'm going to start over and rebrand for my career with Uniqlo, um, you know, compared to like the LeBron Dunkman logo, like or or like you said the Jumpman logo. Those those logos are like seared in everyone's minds where. The letters if he wanted to transition away from it if you know like if quote nike doesn't want to play nice the way he's asking them to um i feel like he you know at least he doesn't have something that has like an image of of him on the court or something like that you know yeah interesting quick side note here i just i don't understand why athletes don't come in with this with their intellectual property kind of in lockstep already it seems like you would be prepared for something like this you've seen this happen you know about these stories and like who is your manager and your agent that you're not coming in with a professionally designed logo already knowing you know that this is something that's going to bear your likeness and be associated with you for the rest of your life if you decide to leave said company you know your logo is you know is who you are in the public eye and i feel like this is something that athletes should already have ownership in um, but again, maybe maybe there's things about this that I don't know. There's stuff that happens in the background that I just don't understand. I just I, I would assume that your team would put together the proper paperwork so that you own your logo um, or even take less money in your deal because you know for ownership of your logo because like that's that seems like something that's very important, especially as you move on in your career. But again, what do I I, I don't know anything i make videos on youtube and um 
Yeah, it's different. It's different, right? Because Federer, that was 21 years ago. Like people really didn't do that. And Nike right. is such an amazing marketing machine. Like the story they decide to tell like could impact the logos like they might tell like I think a lot of athletes like I'm just a I'm a pro basketball player like how Nike highlights my story like how did Jordan become jump man right like I think Nike's just brilliant at pulling out those details and building a logo after that and then mm-hmm. you know, if you build a logo for your own brand and then it doesn't go anywhere like you know I, I so I think it's it's interesting. Like, I'd be surprised if more people weren't coming with logos already. But I can also understand the brand side. Like, no, we want to build a story around what we're doing with you. And we'll use new logos. It depends. It depends on how good you're at yeah. graphics, too. Definitely. And I think, you know, like, the only, the only athlete that's really done that is Shaq, right? Like, Shaq came in. You know, Jordan evolved to a place where he, you know, kind of overshadowed Nike. Shaq came in knowing he was going to be a star. Anybody else beyond that, like LeBron is, I think, the only athlete that could have done that. But also, if they're coming in with that kind of, I don't know, like, I could see the brands, you know, Nike is obviously not going to give up the monetary value of them owning the logos from the very beginning, right? So, like, if, if let's say, you know, taking back to LeBron, if LeBron comes out of high school and says, this is my logo, this is who I want to be, and he already has that there's less there's less money on the table for nike to make in the long run so i could see them you know negotiating that you know from the beginning like that would be an off-putting thing for anybody coming with a logo that doesn't have like a crazy amount of established you know stuff but i I do agree like there's we're at a point where athletes should be considering that if they if they really are going to you know be a top tier athlete and work through all of those things to make it happen. I think that, you know, it puts themselves in a, in a much stronger place, you know, long-term and and financially, uh, you know, outside of sports, like to work with brands, because then you have the opportunity to work with other brands, right? Like a Gatorade or, you know, like a Starbucks or whomever you want to say, like, you know, I'm like Shaq always saying that, like, I just want to play basketball, wear Reeboks and drink Pepsis. Like that was like the most, you know, iconic thing for somebody that's 19 years old to say, because he already had in his mind, this is who I'm going to be. Right. So that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. I get it. I get it from both sides. I definitely get it from both sides, but as, as an individual creator, um, in, and having, you know, taken some steps into the world of working with companies, you always, and, and you know, maybe this is just because I've, I've done this for a while that I, I kind of have an understanding. Like you always want to kind of own, your likeness in in any way possible like from my days in music you know owning your masters is a big deal but again people didn't know that necessarily at first there were very few that kind of walked through the gates with that sort of mentality and you know hopefully that mentality sort of spreads to these athletes uh, because you hate hearing stories about guys going broke and all this stuff and they have all this sort of equity in um in popular culture but they don't have any control over it yeah um anyway anyway um Speaking of equity, uh, the equity of the Los Angeles Lakers just shot up through the roof. How about that transition? Um, as <laughs> they have signed the, I would say, the best athlete of, uh, of the time, LeBron James, to a four-year, $154 million contract. As a Lakers fan, I'm going to say that I'm excited. Um, do I think the Lakers will win a championship next year? No, no, I don't. But it is, um, let's say, it's, it's sparking the flame of, of the Laker fan. And um, I think it has a bigger impact than just for Laker fans. I think for Nike, this is a huge thing because it puts LeBron in one of the two biggest markets in the United States. Uh, and like, am I... Am I thinking about this the wrong way? Is my business acumen on point today? I think so. I mean, it's hard to argue against, you know, everything. You know, he's in a not near as close to the end of his career as Federer, I would say. But, like, he's thinking about after basketball an awful lot, and he always has. But, you know, I know that everything around basketball down to the content that he's creating, you know, like the, the films that they're working on, all of that stuff. 
it's just going to be so much better being in LA, you know, and having this big market behind him compared to, you know, nothing against Cleveland and the fans that have followed him, you know, Akron, all of those places in the Midwest there that like really like latched onto him as like the superstar. But there's just, there's, you know, there's just so many people that are already here as fans of Lakers already here as, you know, like, like just easy, easily accessible, you know, kind of like going back to the conversation we had uh, a week or two ago about localized type, you know, um, influencers and people that are creating and doing things that are inspiring people in smaller areas, you know, like LeBron can do that in LA and it can spread because there's something about the LA and New York markets where people want to be, you know, like it's almost like the, the pinnacle of sport or the pinnacle of everything, right? Because it's like, Oh, you live in Los Angeles and blah, blah, blah. Or you live in New York and you like, that's the dream life that everybody outside of those major cities, not everybody, but you know, like a good portion of people kind of had fantasized about, you know, so I think it's going to be really exciting to, to see him here. I mean, I'm a Kings fan, so I kind of hate that he's here and, um, but you know, like the basketball side of me and the, the sneaker person in me is like, this is like the best move he could make in my opinion. So yeah. What do you think? Well, how is it, how is it any different than Kobe being there? I mean, did, did Nike lose market share because Kobe retired? I mean, they've already had a big, you know, presence in the Lakers. So I, I don't, I guess I don't fully understand why everyone thinks if LeBron's moving to LA, like that's going to change anything, to be honest. I mean, we're such a global national country at this point, like, Basketball is so global that, I mean, anybody can buy product anywhere. Like, I guess I just don't understand it. I th- I think personally that the fan base in Los Angeles has kind of, I wouldn't say it's gone away. It's just not as active. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that having someone like LeBron that's going to bring, you know, like he will get the the Lakers to the playoffs. He will probably get the Lakers to if nothing else, the Western Conference Finals this next season, and that is enough to, to you know, raise all sorts of fans that, you know, kind of just stuck around, like, through the bad times, but, like, yeah. you know, weren't, weren't actively, you know, going out and cheering for the team or seeing games and all of that. So I think, yeah, there's some, there's some level of that. But I also think, you know, with Kobe retiring, I personally think that there, there was, like, some fall off in like Nike basketball, you know, um, I think that, I think that, you know, just in having someone actively on TV all the time, you know, seeing, you know, cause like, if you think of the Lakers now, like I don't, other than the LeVar ball, you know, the, the, the ball family, right. I don't know what most of those players actually wear as far as, you know, their regular shoes where like, with Kobe, you knew it was it was that. So you were looking for the big, the big pushes because like if it's just a if it's just a team player wearing a hyperdunk of some sort, they don't do these massive campaigns. You know, I think back to like, um, you know, like when they did the Grinches and left them courtside on all the seats. Like those mm-hmm. things kind of changed the way you could elevate just one okay. pair of shoes. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, Jacques, like as a as a Lakers fan, do you feel like there's been like a a lull in the in the fan? You know, I don't know what you would call that, but engagement. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, I, I think, I mean, I think this goes with with any team. Well, well, let me, let me rephrase that. In LA, we're spoiled. Um, we we expect you to win. Like that's just part of the anatomy. That's just a part of being in LA. And when we expect <laughs> you to win, we we we, ex- we expect there to be a superstar. Like we demand we we demand a lot out of you as a to be to be a Los Angeles Lakers, and we haven't had that in a long time like lebron brings the star power to la that we haven't had since kobe was there yes we have lonzo ball but he's he's not the star that kobe is he's not the star that lebron is so to have someone of lebron's caliber who we all respect who we all love have him to come to la and to play on the lakers it feeds into that that legacy of the los angeles lakers that you just can't really find anywhere else unless it's like the Knicks or or maybe Boston. But I mean, generally, like you play in LA, it raises 
it makes you a bigger star. Like hmm. LeBron is obviously the biggest star in the world uh, right now when it comes to comes comes to basketball. But like playing for the Lakers, like even as big as LeBron is, playing for the Lakers takes that up a notch. If that makes any huh. sense, and it puts him in. A, I think it puts him. It just adds one more tick. Like we're all, we're at the point of law of diminishing returns with LeBron right now. It's because he is so huge. But adding that Laker jersey just takes you somewhere else. It gets you closer to Hollywood. So I feel like that'll that'll make LeBron bigger. We'll start seeing LeBron in more things in Hollywood that you can't necessarily do being out in Cleveland. Um, LeBron can do a guest spot on on a show now and it not be a big deal. He doesn't have to get on a plane and fly to Los Angeles. He can be in a movie, just do a quick spot in a movie with a couple of lines now because it's shooting here in L.A. as opposed to something that he had to do to fly out to Cleveland. He can do these sort of things during the season now. And that those sort of things, I think, help raise his star power. And because he's LeBron, he's going to be wearing Nikes or, or dressed at Nikes and like that adds to the the pop culture cachet of of the nike brand and of lebron's brand and i just kind of see all of those things kind of playing in together and making for a bigger star out of the lebron james that we know now okay that makes sense i was gonna say to tiffany to your point though you know lebron has had a house here for a couple of years right so I don't like I guess there is some truth to like the traveling back and forth but like if he's living here part-time anyway who knows maybe maybe it's but I I I do re- re- like I don't remember seeing any you know major celebrities courtside as much as in the last like say year or two that you know where Kobe always brought out those like you know superstar celebrities and maybe that's kind of like the other piece to it that Jacques's talking about where it's like you're just you're gonna have so many other people paying attention to LeBron and Nike and wearing LeBron's courtside all that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. so do you guys think that um, LeBron put anything in the contract about you know LeVar Ball staying out of his business because that reality show (laughs) I can't wait to see (laughs) I mean I think that's gonna be fireworks yeah, that's definitely something I can't wait to see unpacked during the season and as we get closer to the season. Like that's that is a, a funny storyline and I, I kind of feel like um he's gonna draw the line with them and there's gonna be like maybe a level of respect that he'll ha- that LeVar Ball and his team will have to um they'll have to shut it down. Um if the Lakers don't just yeah. ship out ship out Lonzo. I mean the Lakers could ship out Lonzo that's Ball true. and then we don't have to deal with it at all. Maybe that's what's written into the contract. Hey, hey. Uh, Whoa. All right. Oh, hello. Um, so uh, something here that I think plays close to the heart of one of our hosts. Uh, a Nike mag sold for $90,000. Now, it wasn't just any Nike mag. It was one of the original ones from the movie. Um, and Tiffany, you, you had a little you did a video about about this or something about this, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I met with Shuzium at Index Portland, and there's a video on my YouTube channel about it. But, yeah, I think it went for, like, 92000 at the end of the day. And it was it, – it looked like – I got to go see it in person. It looked like it was authentic. Like, it looked like a real shoe. Like, I don't know if you could kind of fake that kind of deterioration. So I was saying, yes, it is um, one of the original shoes. But the interesting part was there was no – spots for wiring or anything like even behind where the lights go there was no holes for wiring so that made me think that it was like a prototype or something like i i would guess that that shoe never really lit up um because you'd see Uh. some holes in there for the wires to run and you remember michael j fox had those big battery packs in his back pockets with those huge cables well there was there was no hole for that and that hole (laughs) is quite large i mean it's like a big coax cable Oh, wow. Um, so question question for you um, as an engineer and as an innovator. Um, what causes shoes to fall apart like that? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. It comes down to many environmental factors and the materials, right? So like those foams back in the day were, you know, it was figured that shoe was probably made in 85, 86. It depends on when they did taping for Back to the Future 2. And it depends on 
how much prototype time Nike had prior to it. So let's say 86. So that shoe is like 32 years old at this point. Um, how it's stored, what those original materials were, uh, the foams that were used today versus that literally have probably improved by a thousand percent. I mean, I'm just guessing at it, but um, moisture definitely is an issue. Heat is an issue in sunlight. Like UV destroys basically almost all materials, even um, a lot of shoes that are treated with UV protectants, that stuff will eventually wear off. Um, so uh. there's a lot of factors. It also depends like when we were talking, I was talking to Jordan Geller in the video, he was saying that it was like just sitting in a box somewhere. So it was like, okay, so it was like just thrown in a box with some other stuff or cause it would depend like what else was in that box. Cause the moisture level of that product or content of that project product could be impacting this one so literally when i was looking at it foam fell off of it like i watched foam pieces drop off and i was like oh my goodness oh my gosh yeah the adhesive Uh, the adhesive also you could tell that it dried out and that that probably happened first the adhesive dried out and then started chipping away so how how long okay so there's a couple of and this is a, a bit off topic but um does it help to wear your shoes to prevent them from falling apart or do they fall apart faster if you do wear them? Oh man, there, I've never heard that question before. I would assume (laughs) (laughs) that it does not help to wear them. I would assume wearing them will make them fall apart faster. Like if think of when you go walk around LA, like who knows what you're stepping in, like um, gasoline from cars, like, there's all kinds of chemicals that'll help deteriorate materials. Um, so I think not wearing them, but careful storage is your best bet, but they're shoes. Like you gotta wear shoes. Come on. Right. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying don't wear it. Cause I'm not. And, and people, if you're listening, I'm not encouraging you to not wear your kicks. I'm encouraging to you, you to wear your shoes. Definitely <laughs> wear your kicks. Um, but I just, you just hear like, there's these, there's these myths or, you know, these, these urban legends that if you wear your shoes, then they don't fall apart as fast. And if you don't wear them, that they, that they start to fall apart faster be, because you're not wearing them or they're not getting any, any action, I guess. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing happening to them. So they're just left there to dry out and fall apart as opposed to if you wear them, they're, they're actually being used. And, you know, long as you're not beating them up that, I don't know, I guess conditions the foam so that it's not falling apart as fast. Um, but again, these are just like kind of urban myths and urban legends that you kind of hear in the sneaker world about shoes that fall apart. So I was figuring since we had you on the, you know, on, on here that, you know, you could provide us a little bit of insight. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, could, I, I could see a little bit of truth to that, but I, I've never actually heard of it nor seen a scenario where wearing them more would keep them. It's like, if you look at like a living hinge, have you heard of a living hinge before? I have not. Please explain. So if it's a piece of plastic that opens and closes and there's a hinge on the side that's plastic, it um, the more you actually move it right after it's made, the longer it will last. So, for example, when I worked at Rubbermaid, if a, a lid was hinged to a container, if right after it was processed, you opened and closed it like five times, it would last over a million open and closes because it basically structures the plastic. It aligns it, if you will, the chemical kind of molecules Uh. of it. If you don't do that and it just sits there after like, it'll only last like a hundred cycles and it'll crack and break. So like there is some thought to that and the foam that's in shoes is polymer based. So I don't know, that'd be fun to study actually. Yeah, because that's always been my theory is like I had shoes, you know, from a long time ago. I'll just leave it at that. But like um, uh, that I had worn regularly for, you know, like not not every day or anything, but like I would say every few weeks over the course of, you know, maybe eight to 10 years. And those shoes like, you know, in a lot of cases would last me that whole time where if I had a pair that I didn't wear and it was brand new and then I went to go wear it, 
the immediate like ever, the first thing would happen was like the midsole would crack because I think like you know it just never had my 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 assumption was that it never had any kind of pressure put on it ever had any you know compression of any kind and never was pushed kind of you know like kind of like what you're saying about the, the living hinges thing whereas like never pushed kind of to its limit and never got outside of that like very like you know i would say forced molded fit or or design um but i don't know that's it's really interesting i don't i don't even know how would you even test something like that i think you could pull it off maybe i'll look into this a little bit i mean keep in mind every (laughs) time you wear those shoes you're changing the environment around them like you're putting it into more humidity or less right so versus wherever you're storing them and that could be enough to make a difference yeah Hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah it's almost um uh, question Tiffany do our shoes worn are is there any pressure put on the foam once they're made or are they just kind of just put immediately into the box so yeah when shoes are made so the uppers made around a last right you guys know what a last is uh-huh yep okay and then when the tooling or the midsole and outsole gets adhered to the last that's done with pressure like usually there's pressure put around the midsole and then there's pressure put on the last. It all depends about the design of it. Um, but there's lots of pressure put on and it's held for a certain amount of time to allow it to stick. After that, when it's removed off the last, no, there's no no pressure typically going on to it. Like it's not pre-broken in or anything like that. Although that's interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Interesting, interesting conversation. I, I again, I, I for people that are listening, um, don't listen to me. Um, I have <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about, and I'm just making this stuff up. Um, so uh, I, it feels like Tiffany may look into this a little bit. So uh, make sure you guys go over and subscribe to her channel. Uh, it is a sneaker channel now, but it started out as Rumble Beers, a secret society <laughs> of fighters. Uh, <laughs> but that's just, again, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm, I may be making that up, or it may be the truth. Who knows? Um, uh, so quickly moving on uh, to the two last things uh, for the show, Adidas and Game of Thrones. So uh, I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan. I've seen the show, but I'm not like one of those hardcore followers. So this doesn't resonate as much with me. Uh, but I'm trying to understand, I guess, I guess why Adidas would collaborate with Game of Thrones. Is this just a grab at pop culture for Adidas? Or because I'm not a fan, a big fan of Game of Thrones, am I missing the connection here? <laughs> with the boost and or possibly the three stripes and dragons (laughs) i mean i'm a big fan of the show i think that you know all of this stuff is all speculation right it's it's you know coming from instagram accounts that have always kind of been i mean always been about rumors so um right you know i think i think you know from a pop culture standpoint it absolutely makes sense for anybody to partner with game of thrones because this is going to be you know i think the last season and it's going to be a huge thing and you know there's going to be billions of dollars flying around this whole season so if you if you can create something you know like i hope that if it's if it is going to happen i hope that it's an actual partnership as opposed to some of the other stuff where it's like oh cool let's just make a bunch of colors about you know dragon ball z or you know whatever like because i think that's where like the 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 real good quality collaborations are ones where both sides you know come together and make something together out of it as opposed to the kind of like cool we're we're one of the brands and we want to make a shoe themed on you know this product but then that company doesn't have any reason to support it no reason to get involved and i think like it's more and more important now for you know uh, because we've seen so many different collaborations and we've seen so many good ones just fall off that people just didn't care about um, to really like, like work with the companies that you're trying to like, you know, you know, tie in their storylines into your product lines. So, yeah. And like, so I worked on the Leica products that Nike did like for Paranorman and Coraline. And um, nice. so I think this is funny. Like, I think it's hilarious, but like, I mean, immediately whatever shoe Jon Snow wears I mean it would sell but 
if he wore these boots out there, they're going to be shredded, right? And and, <laughs> and the Night Watch shoes, they got a white midsole. They're, the Night Watch wears all black. Like, come on, get your get your, get your facts straight here. The White Walkers, which is their, who they're fighting, wears white. So why does that shoe have a white midsole? I mean, I would love to see performance materials today in footwear design from what would be from there i mean i think it would be super badass you'd have some badass boots and stuff um some sandals and slides and things like i think it would be super cool but again i I agree with you nick like just colorways with the white walkers on boost like at 180 bucks a pop i don't know if i need a golden red lannister shoe i don't like the (laughs) lannisters anyway so (laughs) And I, I will say that, like, that, that, that's exactly it, though, right? Like, thinking about it, like, I get excited about it. I'm like, Tiffany, you should make that happen. Like, that's, like, uh, that would be amazing if you had, like, an actual product line that was, like, based on these ma- materials and styles from this, you know, time frame, right? And I think the, the, the news of this stuff coming out comes from the the accounts that like kind of just like let's photoshop some colors and talk about this you know like and i mean in a bigger picture like not to get all deep on this but this is like a a serious problem in my opinion for not just for footwear but for everything right like there's no accountability to these accounts that have millions of followers that say this is what's going to happen in you know 2019 and it's like well nobody's going to go back and say hey you person with you know a million followers that told us all this information two years ago or a year and a half ago like you're wrong and you and you need to be held accountable i think it's just an interesting thing that we kind of like it's like the blessing and the curse of technology right like you have somebody that can make some colors and create some storylines and loosely tie them together and just say this is going to happen and you know hopefully it does hopefully it's it's much cooler than the photoshops that i've seen so far um but I definitely think there's a lot of potential for something like that to do some cool stuff. Yeah, this makes me, uh, I feel like if this does happen, I need to watch more Game of Thrones and really get caught up. Um, so uh, if it does, at least that'll happen. I'll, um, I'll know more about Jon Snow. Um, I haven't <laughs> even seen, I haven't even seen The Red Wedding. Yeah, really, ju- just show, watch right? The Red Wedding. You'll be caught up. Just watch that. Just watch The fine. Red Wedding. Yeah, that's all. Just, that's all. <laughs> just yeah, start there. I've heard, just start there. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard a lot of things. Um, I think it's interesting uh, from a, I guess from a pop culture standpoint. Like you, I love seeing as a, as a sneaker guy. I do love seeing sneakers integrated into pop culture and being part of things that are bigger um, than the sneaker world. I think it helps to grow the sneaker world and gets more people involved in it and gets more people kind of seeing the world that I am so passionate about and that I'm a part of. Um, but at the same time, it, it does have to make sense. Like, I want it to make sense. I want it to have some sort of relevance to those times. So, like, the, like hearing, like, what Tiffany was saying, like, I would love to see Adidas do something possibly with the F-22 because it looks like a sort of, yeah. like, this hiking, ruggedized shoe. So, to do something like that, that could possibly, you know, in the far stretches of our mind, last in that sort of time or in that era... I think that works. Um, But for an Ultra Boost, um, like Tiffany said, are they just going to paint the Boost black? And that's how they're going to get away with the all black look. Um, But I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't. This is is where I feel like I should probably be watching more of Game of Thrones because I don't (laughs) feel like I can really add any content to this conversation. Now, if Adidas (laughs) did a collaboration with the Big Bang Theory, then I'm all for it. Me too. Um, yes, let's do yeah, that. Me too. Me too. I'm all I'm, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm I can't wait for the Bazinga colorway. Yeah. Um, all right. Last last little bit of the show today. Basketball shoes. I'm a personally big fan of basketball shoes. Basketball shoes are how I fell in love with sneakers in general just because I played ball and it was like my they were my gateway drug into the sneaker world. But they've fallen off as of recently, and they haven't been living their best lifestyle sort of life that they used to. And someone tweeted us at the uh, Outside Pods uh, Twitter address. So if you haven't followed us, make sure you follow us. It's Outside Pods. And uh, you can give us questions. You can DM us um, things that are relevant to the show, which at this point seems like everything. Um, (laughs) But is there... 
will basketball shoes return or is is like the life of the basketball shoe relegated to performance and the court at this point? I mean, I think that, you know, we kind of have passed the, the peak of basketball by a long shot. Um, there's always going to be, you know, the, the, the thing about about sports is that it's it's aspirational, aspirational for, you know, a majority of people. Right. Like no matter no matter, you know, what your skill level, like you always are going to look to somebody and like say, this is what I want to do. Even if, even if you're just like, you know, even if it's like, I just need to get running, I'm going to go, you know, see you Jacques run a marathon and think, damn, I need to do that, you know? Um, but I think with basketball shoes, the only way that we'll see those become as fashionable as like, say they were, you know, through like the late nineties, um, is if, athletes like LeBron start working with entertainers because every rapper wants to be a basketball player and every basketball player wants to be a rapper. Like you could follow LeBron on social and see him rapping along with, you know, just about any, any time he's on there, he's always, you know, rapping with, and it's kind of like, that's how I think all of us can relate to that, you know, like in some sense. And so in order for it to really have like as big of a cultural impact as it did, you know, before social media, I think it absolutely would have to take, you know, partnerships with, you know, uh, between guys like LeBron and, you know, a Travis Scott or between like a James Harden and a Kanye West in order to elevate those shoes, you know, but I also think that there's, there's no reason for the brands to want that to, to exist again, because people are buying basketball shoes and then they're buying shoes, casual shoes to wear you know, in their free time. And I think that's more, more profitable than basketball shoes being trendy personally. Hmm. I, I kind of disagree a little bit. I mean, I, I think basketball absolutely needs to come back. I think for the sneaker industry to keep growing, basketball needs to be strong. Um, and I think it's going to come back in an awesome way in women's, to be honest. Like, I think women's high top sneakers look badass. And I think that's where a lot of the female sneaker heads, that's where their collection is focused. And so I think it might not come back in the same way it's been over the past, but I think, I think it'll come back and I think it'll come back in a more feminine way. And I think they need some technology upgrades. They went so minimal. Everything is so minimal in basketball right now. Like really they have the awesomest technologies in there. So lightweight, like they might have to go away from that a little bit, or it might be a couple years until they have some better materials and technologies. So I hope it comes back. I'm looking forward to when it comes back. Maybe LeBron in LA will drive it differently, but yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. I, I really want basketball to come back. Uh, I think it's cyclical. Um, I think that is just basketball. Basketball is in a bit of a lull now and things are focused on like the 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 uh, the running shoe and and workout shoes i think workout and has had such a huge impact on our society today and basketball is not really a part of that workout conversation it's more like in the gym and running i think that's taken on a big focus as of the last year or so um and it's not even necessarily like i don't even think it's necessarily about yeezy per se or or kanye west or any of that any of that sort of thing i think it's more focused on just like run out smaller shoes the style and the way that people dress now is a bit i guess really kind of what tiffany was saying is is more minimal and basketball shoes don't typically lend themselves to a minimal look um running shoes are really i feel like running the market no pun that was a terrible terrible (laughs) um running running shoes are kind of running the market for the moment and i think that goes with apparel as well like people are wearing compression pants or tights um as regular clothes like they're just wearing like people are wearing those to work i've seen women in that's right compression compression pants and like a nice blouse and a blazer with a pair of like nice black tennis shoes or something like that and rock that to work like it's a business suit almost like a business in a business casual sort of way so with that sort of style being in uh, i think it is it does kind of push the basketball shoe out to the um the extremities for a little while but eventually i think the trend will change 
maybe that's what the dad shoes will bring in. Maybe dad shoes will bring back the cool basketball shoe. And in that way, I'll be forced to love the dad shoe and not um, continue to hate it. <laughs> but that's just. I mean, know. I think I think that definitely like I want basketball to 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 be, you know, I want to see it come back. I want to see it to be as big as it w- was. I think that like you're onto something though with the dad shoes thing because I I 100% believe that like late 80s like maybe early 90s basketball shoes will be trendy again in the next like probably 18 months but it's also because of the fashion world that will push that stuff so far that you're disgusted with dad shoes so they got to make something different to catch your eye and now they're just going to go make you know like a a remake of you know some you know early 90s bulky basketball shoe but i also do think that those kind of things help push the the you know crossover consumer that buys for both fashion and sport into the styles that you know kind of drive the market like just like you said like we've been on this like such a minimal kick for i I would even say it's probably like a solid three or four years at least where you know and and part of it is like not to say that like you should go play basketball in your new Yeezys or something, but at least those new Yeezys have a little bit of bulk to them. So people are more accepting of shoes that are less, you know, or that are more substantial than, you know, like say just a, a knit upper that's wrapped around like sock, like, you know, kind of material. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Dawn C, those high tops. Did you guys yeah, see Yeah. That's yet? a great example. Yeah. Those are so good. Like I can't wait. Yeah. And they're big and bulky and they're sorta yeah. you know. I can't wait, but it does look like it's a directly from the eighties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It does it does have that appeal. And I'm I'm looking forward looking forward to those as well. I love the mix and the way he combined those styles and, and you know, yeah. I think I think those are gonna be cool. Um but again, I hate dad shoes. Anyway, um, well, with that being said, uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to another great episode of Outside the Box Podcast. Uh, I love this show. I love, love, love this show. Um, we're growing. We're getting better each week. And I'm really excited about that. Um, to, to sign off, as always, I am Jacques Slade. You can find me at Cousteau, K-U-S-T-O-O, all over the interwebs. Um, as the pseudo leader of this podcast, it's all a farce, and uh, I'm really being propped up by two other people. And uh, one of those is my main man, Nick Engvall. Tell them where to find you. Uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. I also have a site called Sneaker History, which is just at Sneaker History on all platforms. But really, I'm just the supporting cast here, and Tiffany is who you really want to be following, so she'll tell you. Uh, Tiffany Beers, you can follow me at Tiffany Beers, B-E-E-R-S, at Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Yeah. So with that being said, follow all of us. Uh, Subscribe to Tiffany. Check out Sneaker History. And uh, I'll see you in the streets. Uh, As always, guys, we appreciate you. And we'll see you guys next week and talk to you guys next week. All right. Peace.